chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, I hope the word of the Lord will encourage you today. I believe if you listen to it, it will. Anybody going to preach with me today? Ah. You know how you preach with a preacher? When the preacher says something that you like, you say, preach it, preacher. When the preacher says something that you like, you say, oh, yeah, Lord. Brother Fox say, preach it, doc. <laughs> Isn't that what he say, Tony? When you hear Fox say, preach it, doc, you know something going on. Uh, so whatever way you can allow your expression to come out. Man, I love, I love the kingdom of God. You know, you can express yourself to the Lord. Amen. You don't have to hold back anything. Express yourself to the Lord. Amen. It's, it's all right to express yourself in the Lord. Whatever way that expression may be, don't even hold back. Don't worry about it. And certainly don't worry about what people think about you. Learned a long time ago, I feel bad for the people that's talking about the ones that's expressing themselves to God. If you're, if you're looking and talking about someone that's expressed themselves to God, it means you're not expressing yourself to God. And so who's better off, the one that's expressing themselves to God or the one that's reserved? Well, you know, that's just not necessary. Huh? Huh? Romans chapter 5, we're going to jump down to verse number 14. Got a little bit of reading to do. The scripture says in verse 14, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. Who is the figure of him that was to come? But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, had abounded unto many. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one to condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses Unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reign by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. We need to read that again. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. As a matter of fact, I can, I can translate it for you a little bit differently. For by one man's disobedience, all were made sinners. <laughs> so by the obedience of one shall many, all, be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, what it's saying is, where sin increases, 
grace did much more abound. Where sin was rampant and increasing and going wild and seemed to be taking over, grace is still more than sin. It doesn't matter how much sin this world is doing. It doesn't matter how consumed this world is with sin. Grace is still more abounding. Grace is still more than sin. Oh, oh God help us today. That as sin had reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness Unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Those are some powerful, powerful verses of Scripture. I like how it started out when it says death reigned from Adam to Moses. And it can go on and says from Moses to, to David. And we can go on all the way through all the Scripture. And all to me and you or to you and I, death has reigned upon all of us. Even over them that had not sinned like Adam sinned. We all have different kind of sins we're dealing with. You've heard me say so many times, we have to be careful in how we treat each other because they're not doing the same sin we're doing. There is not one that is sinless. All have sinned. So we can't turn our nose and we can't act like we better than when we see someone sinning because you have a sin or sins that you're doing that they might not be doing, but you still have sin that you're dealing with. So if that's true, the only thing we need to do when we see someone sin is try to extend a loving hand and a prayer and a love towards them as opposed to giving them a hard time. We serve such a wonderful and loving and amazing God. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you this morning for your goodness, for your word, for your presence. We thank you, Lord, for what you've already done. But God, we have great expectation that before we leave this place today, you will do even more. Father, we want thy kingdom to come and for thy will to be done. God, I don't know about every person in this place, but I know for me, I don't want to be stagnated. For me, I don't want to be plateaued. For me, Lord God, I don't want to be in a place where I can't raise up a little higher, go to a new level, go deeper in you. So God, whatever you need to do in me, in us, in this place, in every individual in this house to make us move to a new dimension in you, will you do it, Lord? Will you do it? Lord, for God, we can't just stay stuck at where we are, but something needs to happen, Lord, that we can move to the next dimension. Something needs to happen, Lord, where we can see differently, where we'll have an understanding like we've never had before, where our life, Lord God, will shine like a light wherever we go, where righteousness and holiness, Lord God, will be embraced like we've never embraced it, that we will love righteousness, that we will love holiness. That we will love the things of God and the kingdom of God. Today, Lord, I pray that the power of God will break the invisible chains and set the captives.
life is free and there will be a spirit of liberty in this house and that every person will respond to the liberty, will respond to the love, will respond to the grace of God that we will leave this place changed. We give you praise and honor, Lord, for there is none like you. You are the only true and living God and we give you the praise and thanksgiving and all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord and give them a shout of praise. Jesus, you're worthy of all the praises. Jesus, we give you honor. Jesus, your name is great and greatly to be praised. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can somebody give him a shout this morning? Hallelujah. Can somebody give him a shout this morning? Hallelujah. It's time for us as God's people to become a people of praise. A people that will take possession of what God has given to us. Glory be to God. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to talk to you today on this topic. It only takes one. It only takes one. Yeah, it only takes one. Sometimes we procrastinate because we feel like we need company. Oh, I've learned for myself, and let me just share with some of you in here. In order for us to go where God is going to take us, you're going to have to start out by yourself. What you may want will not be the way it will go. Sometimes you're married and you want your spouse to come along with you. That might not be the case. You might want your children to come along with you. That might not be the case. You want your siblings to come along with you. That might not be the case. But what you gotta realize, God, you gotta realize is God is omniscient. He's all knowing. And you may want someone to come along with you because you believe that them coming along with you will, that, that's just really great and that's what God will, would want. But you gotta realize God is all knowing. And if God is telling you come along and if God is working on your heart for you to give more and for you to go deeper, don't look around. Cause it only take just one. You don't have to look around and wonder, is it me, Lord? Am, am I worthy, God, for you to call me to do this? Is, is, is it me, Lord? Am I qualified, Lord? Too often we're looking around and judging others with ourselves and wondering, are we qualified? Can we do this? Is it me that God wants to do this with? And so we take so much time procrastinating, wondering, is it me? Can I? And God is saying, I've never made a mistake yet and I will never make a mistake if I'm working your heart if I'm stirring you up if I'm pulling you don't you look to the left don't you look to the right don't you look behind put your eyes on me and trust in the Lord with all your heart because I your God will lead you to where you need to be you don't have to look around for anybody in God it doesn't matter what your background is. In God, it doesn't matter how educated you are. 
In God, it doesn't matter if you are prepared and you're equipped. Because what God will do with your life, by the time you have time to look back and wonder what happened to me, you will realize, I'm not who I used to be. The things that I'm doing, I realize, it's not because I was capable. It's not because I was able. But it was the power of God that worked in my life to get me to this place. It was the power of God that worked in my life to help me to be what I am. The man of God testified this morning and said he realized he'd been living for God for a long time and all of his accomplishment only came because Jesus Christ is in his life. Oh, somebody, you may think you've accomplished something already. You may think you're doing something now. You may think you have a great plan as to where you're going and what you can do. But I'm here to tell you God will blow your mind with what he will do in you and through you. You haven't seen nothing yet. You haven't scratched the surface yet. God has done some great things in your life. But he is not finished. And what he will do for you, you will not be able to imagine it. Eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Now, when neither has entered into the heart of man, what God can do for you. We got to stop underestimating the Lord. I know we don't think we do that, but we do. We don't say we underestimate God, but we do. Because what God will do with just one man, what God will do with just you, it will blow your mind. Every child that is born into a family is born under different conditions and circumstances. Did you ever stop to think about that? (laughs) It doesn't matter how you run your house. Every one of your child that was born was born under different conditions and different circumstances. Let me make it simple for you. If there were three people or four born in the home, when the firstborn was born, nobody, no other child was in the house. Firstborn, like, I'm the, I'm the star of the show. It's all about me. That's just the way it is. But here comes secondborn. Now, secondborn is born with a brother or sister. Firstborn is looking like, oh, wow, okay. But the bottom line is, secondborn was born with a brother or sister. One brother or sister. But here come third born. Third born is coming in with a brother, sister, or two brothers, or two sisters. So all three of them, and if you want to go to four, all four of them came in under different circumstances because of the how the family structure is. And so they came in with different experiences. First born came in, man, everything was about me. I got everything. They didn't have to worry about two and three toys at Christmas time. I got everything. Adam and Eve were not created under the same conditions and circumstances that we were born into. God, listen, the scripture is there and maybe I'll get into it later. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I don't know if it's 48, somewhere around there. You know, I've always said to you, can you pull that up over there? Let me see if I can, 
um, show you something because you've heard me said this before, but we have the scripture that will make you understand it. Go to um, 49. Let me see 49. Uh, 50. <laughs> let's go. Um, so let's go to 44. And let's see if um, what I'm saying is there. Okay. 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 There it is. So you know I always said to you that God is so good to us that he never wanted us to get lost along the way. So this only God can do this. So what he does is or what he did was he established a world where we will experience the natural first. But then he designed a spiritual world to match the natural world. So you would not be lost regarding the spiritual things. So he gave us this natural world for us to understand. And so we understand it. And so now, as he introduced spiritual things to us, we would understand spiritual things and know how to go about it. Why? Because it will be just like the natural world. Here's the scripture. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. Verse 45 now. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last man, Adam, was made a quickening spirit. So the natural to us comes before the spiritual. So if we can understand, which we do, we don't have to say anything about it. We understand the natural because it's what we're born into. It's what we come to understand. It, it's, it's how we conduct our life is by the natural things. And so if we understand the natural things, then we certainly, if we want to, will understand the spiritual things. Because God is so good to us, he didn't want to make it complicated. He didn't want to make it too where you're going to say, but God, I just don't understand. He didn't want to make it where you're saying, but God, I, I, I can't. Because he's going to say, but I've laid out the natural things for you to understand the natural things. And I've watched you handle yourself in the natural things. Now I'm introducing to you the spiritual things. Will you now do as you did in the natural world? Will you now do it in the spiritual spiritual dimension and so Adam and Eve were not created under the same conditions and circumstances as we were born into Adam's entrance into the world gave him the experience of peace that you never probably experienced there was no sin when Adam came into the world there were no sorrow when Adam came into the world. No grief, no pain, no suffering, no sickness. His fellowship with God was pure and undefiled. All those things that we said about Adam, you never experienced. Because you were born at a different time in the family. <laughs> And so Adam was born in the, were created in the time of the family where there was just purity, undefileness, no sorrow, no death, no sickness. When Adam was born, the family was perfect. Hmm. 
And don't quote me on the born. You keep hearing me say born. Adam, Adam was created. He wasn't born. But you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Well, with all of those things going on, all the goodness of the Lord Adam is experiencing, all great, the fall came. Adam fell. He disobeyed God by eating the forbidden fruit. Uh huh. Because of Adam's fall, everyone else that was born after Adam and Eve was created entered into the family under different conditions, different circumstances. And so the things that you are dealing with today is because of when you were born in the family. It's really not your fault. It's not your fault that you're dealing with sorrow. It's not your fault that you're dealing with sickness. It's not your fault that you're dealing with with, with death. It's just when you were born in the family. My oldest son always tease. The youngest ones always say, yeah, when we were born, actually the oldest one, when he was born, dad wasn't really in church. And then dad got in church quickly after he was born. And he says, yeah, when I, when I, when, when, when I was born, dad was just a regular Christian. <laughs> Y'all born dad is a pastor. <laughs> Two different kind of things going on. So he can tease them about the position of when he was born. They don't know me as just the, the guy, just regular Christian guy. <laughs> they don't know that. But the two older ones, they know, regular Christian guy, just loving the Lord. So depending on when you were born in the family will dictate what's going on with your life. Mm -hmm. We are now born into a world not having the honor and the health Adam was created with. We have become the subjects of pain, the subjects of weaknesses, suffering, and death. Our fellowship with God is not pure like Adam's fellowship with God. Remember the scripture that says that, that, that Adam would meet the Lord in the cool of the day in the garden and they had great fellowship? Before the fall. Because after the fall, God was like, dude... Why are you not at the place anymore? I thought we had a place where we met. That's why today we have people that understand that you need to make a place where you meet God. Is God present everywhere? Yes. God was present everywhere way back then. But Adam and Eve and God had their special meeting place. And so it's important that us, that all of us, have our special meeting place with God. And if you don't have a meeting place with God, you need to establish a meeting place with God. Mm-hmm. 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 It can be the building of the church. Only problem with that is it can't be one day. It can be any place. It just can't be one day. Adam and the Lord met frequently. So we have to establish a place where we will meet frequently with the Lord. And so when Adam 
sinned and fell. And we came along. We have to deal with these things. We got to deal with sickness. We got to deal with suffering. We got to deal with sorrow. We got to deal with pain. We got to deal with all those things that Adam didn't have to deal with when he was first entered into this world. The text tells us this, that the grace of God is a gift from God. Uh Uh-huh. Adam fell and passed on his sinful ways to the entire world. That's what the Bible says. Which brings me to the point of, Oh, help me, Jesus. Bring me to the point of, don't you ever think that what you're doing is what you came up with? I'm me. I just do me. This is how I do. This is just how I feel. Yeah, and you're deceived. Because if I know and I read the Bible right, whatever you're doing was passed on to you. You didn't originate what you're doing. You didn't come up from scratch with whatever way you're living and however you're living, you didn't come up from scratch with that. You were following somebody. It was passed on to you because somebody passed it on to you. If you want to get technical, Adam passed it on to us. So there's nothing we can do and claim it to be our origination. So just get it in your brain now. You're following somebody. You're not an originator. Your style, the way you dress, ain't original. The way you look ain't original. The way you talk ain't original. The sins that you commit ain't original. You are following somebody. We like to be our own person. We like to establish to say, well, I'm just different. Yeah, okay. That's all I'm going to say. These are the things that when I talk to people, I engage in conversation, I just keep my mouth shut. Because when you know the Word of God, you understand. We're all jockeying and positioning ourselves and say, this is just me. And where did you get that from? Oh, no, this is just me. I was born this way. The Bible says we were born in sin. And shaping in iniquity. So the bottom line is, it ain't just you. And if you say you were born that way, guess what? Yeah! The way Adam passed it on to your mama and your daddy. So you were born a sinner. That don't feel good, huh? <laughs> I'm just telling you. So, a smart person is going to say, I don't have time to be pretending. Living out somebody else's invention. Help us, Lord. You all get what I'm saying? Because really that's what we're doing. But we just want to feel like we're in charge of our life. When all you're doing is living out what was introduced to you. Some lifestyle was introduced to you. He said, okay, that feels kind of good to me. That makes me feel good, so let me take on that lifestyle. For someone else, oh, I like this way of the lifestyle. But all of it was passed on to you by someone else. You didn't invent it. This is why 
we can go about our business and begin to be friends with different kind of people. Boy, I like this. You're, you're, you're joining up with someone to be friends with them because they decided to take on that behavior that you decided to take on that was passed on by somebody else. So we have these clusters of people saying, I like that. So that's what I'm going to be. And, you, and so we have clusters all around our world because I'm going to be with this cluster of people here because they live this kind of way. I'm going to be with this cluster of people over here. And we just were drawn. So that's why you're going to find people like you. But the thing is, understand, none of you originated that way of being. You all just have the same kind of desire. You were drawn away by your lusts. Uh, that's the word of God. I haven't come out of the word yet. So you know, everything I'm saying is straight word right now. So you don't have to worry about what is he saying? It's all word. Challenge it if you want. Study it out. So we're drawn away by our lusts to be who we are. You're not being yourself. Something was passed on to you that you gravitated to. And now you're living it out and you're trying to put your twist to it. But somebody else had that twist on it already. You just haven't met them yet. What they said, everybody have a twin? Aisha and um, Patrice saw some guy in the airport a couple years ago and talking about that was my twin. I was so mad at them. Dude don't even look nothing like me. But, but they seriously, that's your twin. But anyway, everybody got a twin that look like them. Act like them. Do the stuff that they like. Why? Because there's nothing new in the sun. And because one man has sinned, we all became sinners. Oh man, isn't God good, people? God is good. He, he, he is so good. He helps you to see clearly. He is so good that He shows us the way and give us truth. The only place you're going to get truth is in Jesus. Every place else you go is going to be a lie and deception. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Unless we go to God, everything else is a lie and deception. <laughs> everything else I don't care how good it looks I don't care how much it seems like it's true or it's right if it ain't from Jesus it's a lie and it's a deception now that's the truth <laughs> that's the word of God so Adam fell and because of Adam falling here we are today, all mangled, messed up in sin. But Jesus knew that that would happen. And that's why he talked about the grace of God. You know what the grace of God is? We, we say unmerited favor. God showing us favor that we don't deserve. Or favor that we did not earn. The greatest favor that we could ever get is the favor of having the opportunity to be saved. 
Salvation is a free gift bestowed upon mankind by Jesus Christ without merit. Oh my God. How do I communicate this that we get it? Salvation is not because you decide you're going to change your life. Salvation is not, okay, uh, I'm tired of this world. Salvation is not, oh, you know, I, I, I need to change my life. Salvation is not, oh, I need to go to church. Salvation comes from the Lord saying, I am going to save you regardless of you, regardless of what you have done, regardless of how good you think you are, regardless of what you have done that is so messed up. It's the Lord saying, I'm going to save you no matter what. Somehow we got this thing all messed up. When I get my life together, I'll go to church. Oh, you think you can save yourself? Somehow we get this thing so messed up. Man, I messed up last night. You don't know how much I drank. You don't know how much I partied. You don't know I smoked two blunts last night. You don't know what I've done. i got to go to church next week. I can't go Sunday morning because I messed up so badly last night. You think that you can be good enough to say it's time for me to go to church? Is that what you think? We need to tell people, come in drunk, come in stoned, as some people call it, or, or high, as some people call it. Come in, smell like weed. Come in, smell like alcohol. Come in, however you are. This is what the Bible says. If you will come, Jesus will do the work in your life. Somehow we think we can do something that says, okay, let me go to church now. That little thing in you that says go to church had nothing to do with you. That's called the unmerited favor of grace. God is saying no matter what you have done, no matter how you have behaved, I love you and I'm going to save you. You need to come to my house. You need to come and hear my word. I love you and I'm going to reach for you. That's God's favor. God is not going around saying you're messed up. I got to pass over you. You must up last night, let me go into the next person. It is God's desire that all be saved and none perish. Somehow we think we can work up some salvation stuff. Yeah. You understand. My mom prayed for me. But it's still the unmerited favor of grace that was extended to me. It's still the unmerited favor of grace that's extended to all human while we we had the opportunity to be saved. You didn't do anything. You weren't good enough. So it doesn't matter if you were a murderer. It doesn't matter if you were a thief. It doesn't matter if you was a drunkard. It doesn't matter if you were a smoker. It doesn't matter what you were. The bottom line is God's unmerited favor of grace is extended to you as it is the person that think that they're good. 
I don't do nothing. I just stay home. I mind my own business. Yeah, I should go to church a little bit more. Yeah, I should read my Bible more. But I don't do anything. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I, I may watch a little bit of TV, but I don't watch crazy stuff. And, and I don't go to places I shouldn't go. I, I, I don't do any of that. God's extended his unmerited favor of grace towards you too. Because all need to be saved. I don't care how good you think you're living. We all have sinned. And come short of the glory of God. Because Adam messed up. We all are in a bad spot. So God's extension to us of salvation is the perfect example of grace. We can try to make grace all of this stuff. But I tend to want to just hold on to that part that says God's grace is that He extended to me and you and all of us the opportunity to be saved. And we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We didn't do anything for it. He just extended it. Now, a part that some people don't talk about. Yes, God is loving, merciful, kind, and gracious. But part of it is he understood it wasn't your fault. understand it's not your fault. It was passed on to you. So you came into this world where they're passing on. This is what you do. This is the norm. Just, just, just do this. Your desire is to do wrong like whoever before you did. So it was passed on to you. We still passing stuff on. He take a hit. Passing it on. I don't know, they still pass 40s around to them. I guess, I guess, I guess we're rich enough now where we can buy cases. But I just remember back, maybe when you're starting out, Tone, I don't know. When you start out, some of you all don't know this. So when you start out first drinking, you don't just start out buying a case. You usually get a 40. Yeah, only a few people know about a 40, but it's okay. Some of you that know about a 40 know what I'm talking about. And so when you're doing a 40, you take a hit. And just passing the 40 around. We still passing stuff off to each other. We passing it off. Uh-huh. That's what we, we, we still pass it on our sin. Adam passed it off first and today we're still passing it off because all have sinned. When Adam started this, it didn't stop and we're still doing it today. And so God's grace is here to say, I'm still reaching for you. It wasn't your fault, but I'm still going to reach for you. You didn't earn it, but I'm still reaching for you. The goodness of God. Let me be clear about this, though. In order to receive salvation of the Lord, we must obey his instructions. See, this this the part right there. Oh, man, this is good. This is good. So, whether it be the spliff or the bottle, I can do this, and he ain't got to put his hand out. Yo, he won't take, he won't take it. Yo. He won't take it. No, he won't take it. You see what I'm saying? I got it. I'm giving it to him, but he won't. He won't take it. 
That's the salvation of God. Why a lot of people ain't saved. Jesus, here! Here! I died on the cross. I give you life eternally. Like he passing a spliff off to him. Like he passing a 40 off to him. They won't take it! That's, it's so simple. We make this thing so incredibly difficult. God has given it. He's extending it just like this. He's extending it to every person because he said, it's not your fault. So he's extending it to everybody. Arms closed. No, Lord. And then we get all worked up when things are not working out right. When he's, ex- he, he's given it to us, but we won't take it. That's the problem. Just like we didn't have to take that 40. Because I remember my next door neighbor won't call his name. Pass off the 40. I didn't have to take it. But I took it. <laughs> you laughing at me, huh? <laughs> you laughing because I took it? <laughs> okay. All right. You didn't take something? Huh? You didn't take something? I was the only one that took the 40. All right. Okay. I'll be the only one. That's okay. Listen. Me and Jesus, I tell him everything. I don't know about you, but I tell Jesus every single thing. There's not one thing that I don't tell the Lord about. So when I confess to you, he knew about a long time ago. Not just because he saw, but because I said it. When Adam messed up, he said, Adam, where are you? Adam didn't tell the truth. You get busted by Jesus and just know as soon as you do something wrong, you just got busted. You get busted, just turn around. <laughs> it's me, Lord. I, yeah, I just messed up. Yeah. We think we hiding from people. Man, I can care less about, you know, I love y'all. But you know what? I'm going to have good intentions sometimes and y'all not going to think good of my good intentions. Uh-huh. I'm, let me say that again. I'm going to have good intentions sometimes and try to do things right and you still won't think it's right. I'm going to have the right intentions and try to do the right thing and you still won't think it's right. But the just judge, he knows when I have good intention and he knows I'm doing what's right. He always knows. So I got to try to impress him all the time. That's the one I need to please. That's the one I need to make sure is good. Not that I don't want to please you. I do. But I understand you're not, you're not omniscient. You don't, you don't know everything. But the Almighty knows everything. So you won't always know my intentions are good or bad. He always knows. <laughs> yeah. So I'm trying to do what I need to do to impress him, to please him. How about you? Yeah? No? Okay. All right. Okay. All right, let me take it home. In order to receive the salvation of the Lord, we must put our hands out, take hold of it by obeying God. Whatever God says, we have to obey Him. That's how we receive from Him. Did I make it clear that when somebody's giving you something, you can either not stretch your hand out or you can stretch your hand out? And so salvation is 
grace, unmerited, God, God, God has given you something, but you got to stretch your hand out and receive it. When you stretch your hand out to receive it, it means, oh, here goes some more. Oh, God, is, what is he doing with this smoking and drinking? Who was smoking and drinking in here? Somebody must have been smoking and drinking like crazy. Okay, here's the other part. God just gave me another revelation. So I give it to him. Guess what? He can take it, but he ain't got to drink it. Man, God! So he can take it, but don't drink it. And so for some of us, God has given us the salvation. We take it, but we don't use it. God is trying to help us in here today, church. We can't just sit around with our arms folded. God has extended to us His grace, His salvation, His love. God has extended to us what we need, but we gotta reach out and we gotta take it and we gotta use it. We gotta apply it. We gotta do what God says we need to do with it. Somebody, you need to stand to your feet and clap your hands. God has given you salvation. God has blessed you. What are you doing with it? What are you doing with what God has given you? How are you doing something with what God has given to you? You may be seated. I don't know. Some days, I said, I'm going to come to church and just talk like Joel and go home. Why do I say that? Because sometimes the word of God is so clear and we still don't respond. I just want to do like Joel. I just want to do Joel. Just just give you a couple of good, encouraging things. And just says, what is what Joel said when he ends? He says, um... Um, um, if you will confess and believe your heart and find a Bible base, a Bible teaching church, you are saved and just go home. That's, that's what Joel, that's what Joel do. Right? That's what Joel do. I need to do Joel to y'all sometimes. <laughs> I need to do some Joel every once in a while because I don't know if y'all want to respond to what God wants to do. And, and, and it's, and it's tough when I know what the Lord intention is for us and what he wants to do and we just won't take it. And then when somebody looking at us, we then, all right, let me take it. But I'm not drinking. If all this mischief has happened to us through the fall of Adam, why should we not understand that great blessing will flow to us by the work of Jesus Christ? If Adam, because of what he has done, because of what he did, if that caused the whole world to walk in sin, then what can happen or what should happen when greater than Adam has come? Somebody, you need to understand that what Adam had set out and set in motion, it doesn't have to end the way Adam started it. Jesus Christ, the second Adam, has come to say, whatever was done by him, I will undo. You just have to reach out and take it and drink of it. Through Adam's transgression, we lost paradise. 
<laughs> but if anything can be more certain, we may be greater or be more, there, there's more positiveness to, for us to declare the second Adam will restore all that the first Adam ruined. Uh-huh. This is why we celebrate Jesus the way we do and we don't really understand. We don't realize that we were born in sin. We started practicing sin because of what Adam has done. And if Jesus never came on the scene, we will still be and stuck in sin and wouldn't have a hope and wouldn't have a future. Life will just be this revolving door where people are born, they live and they die, they go to hell. That's all life will be if Jesus never came. Because understand this, hell was created before you was created. And so if sin was the last thing that would happen to us, we would all be born and we would all be in this world and live our life and when life was over, we would just go to hell and be miserable for all eternity because when God created the human being he created a being that could not die but could be tormented that could hurt that could experience pain that could suffer and so if it wasn't for Jesus we would all be living a life and looking forward to everlasting torment if somebody will understand what Jesus has done for them by coming to this world and saying here I am I am the second Adam and I'm here so that you won't spend all eternity in torment. When are we going to live our life in thankfulness and appreciation for what Jesus has done for us? I don't want to wake up one day thinking that, oh, I inherited eternal life and realize, oh, no, I'm in the wrong place. And only death, only death will determine where you will end up. You won't know where you will end up. Only death. I don't want to wait till I die to realize where I'm spending eternity. I don't want to wait till I die to wake up and say, is this heaven or is this hell? I want to make sure while I'm living and breathing and have all my faculties and I will serve Jesus and live for Jesus and trust Jesus that when I leave this place I will know shortly that I will spend eternity in His presence. We are living just kind of casually. Oh my God, we're just casually going about our business. And I'm trying to send a message today to say, Church, we can't casually do this thing. You gotta go wholeheartedly. You gotta give your all to this. Because if you don't, you're gonna wake up one day and think that you're in the place of eternal life with Jesus Christ and it will be too late. The Bible says there's a great goal fix between heaven and hell. And once you get to heaven, you can't go to hell and once you get to hell you can't go to heaven Hmm. I got to sell out for this thing I can't casually do this thing. For all you casuals, I'm I'm glad. I'm glad. I I just can't chance thinking that living for God is casual. And and you can just, oh, you know, do your thing. And, oh, nothing is wrong with that. And, oh, nothing is wrong with that. When I was was away, 
a thought came to my mind. And I looked up some scripture just to kind of check it out. And the first thought that I got about this was um, our, our, our conscience being seared as a hot iron. That thought came to me while I was away. And it, it bothered me a lot because what I realized is when our consciousness becomes defiled and corrupt and, 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 and seared where it's not what it used to be, then what happens is you will begin to engage in things and not think much of it. Uh-huh. See, I try to live for God that as soon as something comes up that can cause me harm. Hold on. See, how some of us do is we tend to live for God and think we know what's good and bad. But you should know by now this life has a way of lure you in. This life don't just grab you. You don't just wake up and, and find that you're addicted to cocaine. You don't just wake up and find out that I can't stop drinking. You don't just wake up and realize I can't stop doing this addictive thing. You don't just wake up and just you're there. You were lured in, lured in. You were drawn in. You was pulled in by it. So what a conscience that's pure and not defiled does is you stay so far away from it that before it can get a hold of you to get you to start doing wrong things, you just never got that go that far. So, let me just say it like this. Maybe you'll understand it like this. In the church, God gives pastors the lead way to decide what kind of standard should he apply in the church for the safety of the people? Some people disagree. Some people don't like it. Some people, hey, I'm, I'm grown. Here's the story, though. Here's the truth of the matter. God will never allow anyone that he call to shepherd you and don't give him insight. God's not doing that. So if God calls a shepherd to shepherd you, he's going to give that shepherd insight of what's best for you. Listen to me. Whether you believe this or not, let me tell you as, as honest as I can. Nobody in your life is a greater supporter of your spiritual walk and a greater cheerleader in your spiritual walk than me. I didn't say that for any other reason, but I'm saying it to tell you this. When God calls someone to pastor you, that's what he put in that pastor. That pastor is so in tune that, 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 that whatever it takes for you to walk your walk in Christ, to live out your life for Christ, that pastor that God will put in your life will be the one that will support you till the end, till the, the wheels fall off, because that's what God called that man of God or that woman of God to do. They want to see what's best for you because they're the ones of all the people in your life that has no motive in your life. See, don't forget this. I don't care if it's your spouse. I don't care who it is, your children. Everybody got a motive. The kids got a motive. Dad, let me talk to you, Dad. Kids FaceTime you. They butter you up. Everybody has a motive. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying everybody has a motive. And so, 
Most people that deal with you deal with you with a little bit of motive. Your pastor is supposed to deal with you with no motive. That pastor that deal with you because he wants you to stay in church and pay tithes, he wrong. He wrong. Straight up. He wrong. That pastor is supposed to deal with you on the merit of the, he's supposed to take the stead of the Lord Jesus in your life, which is, I don't care about nothing. All I care about is your wellness. All I care about is your, 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 your walk in God to be right with God. That's all that man of God should care about. Your well-being in God. No motive. None. Doesn't matter what you give, doesn't matter what you don't give, doesn't matter when you come or you don't come. His motive is supposed to be, I'm just going to love you till the brakes fall off. I'm going to love you into living for God. I'm going to love you into doing everything I can to make sure your life is right with Christ. That's all that man of God is supposed to do. So, that man of God becomes your greatest cheerleader. That man of God becomes your greatest supporter with no strings attached. Everybody else got a motive. Yes. <laughs> so, so if you ever have a conversation with me, understand whatever I'm saying is coming from the purest. That's the purest I can ever be in my life probably is when I begin to speak to you on the stead or on the behalf of Christ. Because first thing I know is you say one thing wrong, Wayne, that ain't of God. God will whoop your tail that you ever mislead his people. I don't want to live with that on my conscience. You think I want to, you think I want to live in this life knowing I misled somebody in Christ? Man, that's enough depression to just lose your own life. I'm serious. So when I begin to talk with you, all I do is I look into the glory and say, God, you tell me, show me in your word. The purest form of any human being you will get is supposed to be the man of God in your life that's saying, this is what you need to do because this is what Christ will do in your life. Everybody else, motive. Uh-huh, let me move on. Settle in your mind that the fall of Adam has caused us great damage. And, and, and then be assured but that the birth of Jesus Christ, the life of Jesus Christ, the death of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is here and will help us to overcome what we've experienced with Adam. Since God has so arranged it that in the second Adam, men raise and live it is most glorious and consistent with his gracious nature and infinite love that it should come to pass that all who believe in Jesus Christ should have eternal life. So listen to me. Adam passed on eternal death. Adam passed on eternal death. But God is so... That he say... If a man can pass on eternal death, then a man should be able to pass on eternal life. If we buy into Adam, we better buy into Jesus. And guess what? We can't, if we deny the Adam nature, we're just deceived and delusional. Because it's clear that sometimes we want to do right and we still do wrong. That's the Adam nature that was passed on to us. 
So we all have sinned. So we can't deny that we've all taken on the Adam nature and has been living the Adam nature. So it's true that God can come and say, now that you're taking on this Adam nature, I'm here to pass on to you the Jesus nature so you now can have eternal life. All right, it's time for me to quit. Time for me to quit. Adam is the chief patriarch of the human family. And Jesus, the natural human family, Jesus is the chief patriarch of the spiritual family. And so it's up to us now to say what we will do. We will, take, will we take what God has given to us? And drink it, do something with it, or we're just going to keep our hands folded. Evil were communicated and passed on to us by one man. But grace and salvation were communicated and passed on to us by one man as well. (laughs) It is certain that if from the fall of Adam such great results flow, greater results will flow from what Jesus has done. Adam was a man that's weak, flesh and blood, like you and I, born from the earth, like you and I, and man that sinned, like you and I. Jesus never sinned. Jesus' Father is God. The Holy Ghost is the Father. And so the bottom line is, if Jesus can come into this world born, The Almighty God becoming man? If God becoming man, Jesus Christ, can come to this world and do anything for us, how much greater will it be than a man that was created by God? How much greater will it be that Jesus can do than what Adam has done? Think about that. Adam has passed on sin to this whole world. How much greater can Jesus do? And he is no comparison. No comparison to Adam. Listen to me. The spirit life is so much greater than the fleshly life. The earthly life. And so what the spirit life can afford you, the natural life could never afford you of that. (laughs) If we follow Jesus, we get to experience abundant life. (laughs) it only takes one Adam messed everything up and Jesus came and set everything back in order just one can I also tell you I've said this to some of you individually from time to time God is calling you to be that one to set some order in places where it has broken down I know you can't see it right now I know you don't understand it, but God called you to be that one. He's not calling your brother. He's not calling your sister. Yes, he is calling. What I'm telling you is that finger that's pointing towards you this morning is God calling you to set things in order in the places where it's broken down. Stop looking at other people. Stop looking in other places. God is calling you, his pointing his finger at you to set things in order where things has broken down. 
and you're looking at other people and you think that coming to church was so you can go to heaven. Honey, coming to church is so much bigger than you think it is. Going to the house of God to worship God is so much bigger than you think it is. People look back and they say, I don't know, I don't see the importance of going to church every Sunday. I don't see what's necessary. I can stay home and worship God. I can stay home and read my Bible. Well, baby, I got to tell you the truth. There's so much more that God wants to do in your life. There's so much more that God wants to do through your life. It's going to require discipline. It's going to require all sort of things that are spiritual that you won't get at home, that you won't get just reading your Bible. God is not just interested in you coming to church and going to heaven. God is looking for you to be that one to make the difference where Adam nature has reigned. He wants you to bring in the nature of Jesus Christ. Will you stand with me? It ain't just you coming to church. It's not just one thing about church. God is calling you individually to make a difference. It just take one we read. Adam was a man like you and I. And he called the whole world to live in sin. One man, Tony, called the whole world to become sinners. Do you realize what you can do? Do you realize what you can do if one man called the whole world to become sinners? What can you do as a child of God? What kind of difference, what kind of impact can you make as a child of God? If one man can cause, I was about to say 8 billion, but I got to change that. Because it's 8 billion right now. But we don't know how many people it is. Go Google that somebody. Y'all Google all the time. Google from the world started till now. How many people has walked this earth? Because Adam is responsible for all of them walking in sin. That's really what I'm saying. Adam is responsible for every person that walked this earth to walk in sin. Except for Jesus, of course. So if he was that influential, what kind of influence do you think you have? Are you worried now about, oh no, I, I, I never really had a church background. I never really thought much about God. I never really thought much about church. Forget it. Adam influenced a whole world. Listen. I watched the past few days. <laughs> I called my son the other day. And I told him, I, I, I drove up the Rodea Drive the other day. You know, some things you're just curious about. So I took a drive up the Rodeo. And I'm driving through, just checking everything out. There's a lot of money in California, boy. I know some of it is they like to flaunt their money, and East Coast like to hide their money. Oh, you learn stuff when you pay attention. The Californians, they let you know they got money. And so they just, they, they, there it is. The place where we stayed in Newport Coast, I wanted to just run the video every time we went to Starbucks. G truck, G wagon, whatever you want to call it, Mercedes, Range Rovers. I'm just walk, just in a regular strip mall. Range Rovers and Mercedes 
is like Hondas and Toyotas in that area. I'm just saying. But that ain't why I called my son. I called my son. I said, nah. I said, I was honest. I said, the people in California look good and smell good. They purposely work on themselves to look good. This is why that Jenner girl making all that money. I know now. I understand it now. You know, I say that, that well, I don't know which one it is. One of them Kardashian girls. She 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 a billionaire first billionaire. Well, I know why. Because I look around. I mean, they know how to put that thing on. I mean, they look almost like not real. They look almost like it's the movies. I was watching the movie live. Right, that's what it said. I'm watching the movie live, Tone. You walk past people, they smell good and look good. Smell good and look good. I'm like, what in the world is this? I've never seen anything like this in my whole life. But my point of bringing that up to you is we're all trying to live this good life. <laughs> we all want to look good and smell good, drive good, live good. That's what we're aspiring for. And I walk away saying, as good as they look, because I didn't, I never, I didn't deny they look good. When they, when they paint on all that stuff and look on all that, they, I said, man, they professionals how they get this stuff on. I ain't never seen them like that. I said, they look good. They drive good. They living good because everybody living a like all their houses where I, where I was, all the houses up on the hill, gated community. I'm just like, mm hmm, mm hmm, mm hmm. But guess what? It's still under that Adam nature. What Adam passed on, they still got it just like everybody else. And the life that they think that they're living, that they're enjoying so well, that ain't life, baby. Jesus say, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And somehow the devil has inserted himself when he allowed Adam to sin, when he messed Adam up and Adam sinned, and from that day on till today, we're still walking around thinking that we're trying to seek this good life when we had the good life in the garden and just kind of ignore it. Listen to me. Don't be delusional on what the good life is. Don't be delusional on what the good life is. Hint, hint, hint. I'm done here. Here's the hint. Adam ate the fruit, the forbidden fruit. It was pleasurable. So the good life seems to be pleasurable. When you feel all that good pleasure going on, uh-huh, that's the good life according to this world standard. According to what Adam passed on. You are delusional in thinking that's the good life. Jesus said he came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. But guess what he did? He sacrificed his life. And he gave his life. This is why we're struggling. Because the good life means sacrifice and giving of yourself. The, the, the worldly life says the good life is pleasure. I don't know what to tell you. You do whatever you want to do with that. I just know pleasure is what keeps us in darkness. Pleasure is what keeps us delusional. 
pleasure is what keeps us bound. Sacrifice and giving of yourself is what makes us free. I don't know what else to tell you. I know it's hard. I know it's not something that we're accustomed to. But I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. I'm not telling you 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 can't have some pleasure. I'm not telling you that. Because Jesus had pleasure when he hung out with his disciples. Jesus had pleasure when he sat at meat and ate with his people. Jesus had pleasure when he laid hands on the sick and they recovered. Jesus had pleasure when he encouraged people. So his pleasure was different from the pleasure that caused us to live in sin. My God. I don't know what else to tell you today, church. I feel uh, I just want to talk to you and tell you about what I feel God has put in my heart. And today, I'm telling you, it only takes one. It only takes one. One person can change and turn around your entire family. But if you decide that, oh, I'm just following my heart. I only live once. Enjoy the pleasures of life. God gave you them anyway. Go ahead. But if you want to live that abundant life, If you want to live that life that's joyous, that life that gives you eternity with Jesus Christ, then you're going to have to sacrifice. Then you're going to have to lay down your life so somebody else can benefit. And I'm not just talking about your children. That don't even count. When men say, oh, I take care of my kids. We just walk away from those dudes. You hear what I said? When a man say, I take care of my kids, just walk away from him. That's what you're supposed to do, dude. Don't tell me you take care of your kids like you got bragging rights for doing that. Crazy. I have my kids with their homework. What are you trying to tell me? What are you trying to tell me? Just walk away from those kind of people. So, sacrificing for our children, that don't count. That's what we're supposed to do as parents. But when you start sacrificing for other people, now you're starting to say something. When you start sacrificing for others, just one. It just take one. Will you pray with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just try to follow the leading of your spirit. I, I just try to allow your spirit to guide me and lead me. I know what I feel. I know what I sense. But we are your people. I am no different from the people that are standing here today. We are your people, Lord God. You've called us from out of sin, out of darkness, and into this glorious life in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray that every person today will understand what they heard today. Lord, will you help them to understand what the Word of God has said into their heart? Lord, I want a better relationship with you. I want to be so connected and just so consumed by you that, Lord God, the things around me pertaining to this life will not have any effect on my life. Lord, I want to be so in tune with you that, Lord God, as soon as those things that tries to lower me out from you appear Oh God, I will recognize it and resist it. I pray today, Lord God, that somebody, 
under the sound of my voice will respond to the word that has been spoken into their hearing. I pray that transformation and change will take place, Lord God. That, Lord, we will not remain in the same position we were when we came in. But I pray that you will stir up the gift. I pray that, God, you will move in our heart and our 